Moving on to our interview, earlier this week, additional light was shed on the mainstreaming of fascism in the United States. The New York Times reported on how the Republican Party of Miami-Dade County now includes several known Proud Boys. It's not surprising when considering all the reactionary garbage coming out of South Florida. Take, for example, Republican Congresswoman Maria Elvira Salazar, who represents part of Miami. On Sunday, Salazar called for President Biden to intervene in Colombia politics to stop leftist candidate Gustavo Petro from becoming president. Petro won 40% of the vote Sunday in the first round of voting to advance in a runoff, despite Salazar's best efforts. And it's not that Florida Democrats inspire any confidence. Most of them engage in anti-communist pandering to appeal to mythical moderate Republicans, and in the process, they only manage to accomplish abandoning policies that appeal to working-class voters, and they still get called communists by Republicans. But there is one candidate hoping to break that mold. Angel Montalvo is running for the Democratic nomination in Florida's 27th Congressional District. That's the one Salazar represents. And he's running on a Bernie Sanders-style socialist platform and refusing to bow to Miami's increasingly fascist establishment. We talked to Montalvo earlier this week about his campaign, the big-money Democratic frontrunner, Ken Russell, and what it's like being a leftist in Miami, especially as the son of a Cuban immigrant. We started our conversation by asking Montalvo about Congresswoman Salazar calling for a coup in Colombia. Chris, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about this, especially in the political climate in Miami. You know, we often don't get the counter, counter narrative to this really just right wing uh, reactionary element. And I think that so Maria Elvira Salazar is very much so a, a good encapsulation and representation of that kind of position. For me, it's just another like uh, she represents the Republican Party, you know, who toes the party line, which is corporate interest over at any cost, um, period. With regards to the specific, you know, policies, you know, and I, I think that as a as a principle, you need we, no military intervention. It's never worked. We see what happened in Afghanistan we, and like throughout history. We saw what happened in Vietnam and we reprop up and like it's not our role. And not even just because it's not our role, it's be, because of the, the harm that we do, like the hundreds of thousands of innocent people that died in Afghanistan, the trillions of dollars that we spent that could have been spent on health care, on housing. And and a big part is the fact that their entire policy Salazar specifically, but uh, especially Salazar, but the entire Republican Party and in, in some cases, the Democratic Party is just um, there. There's no like, for example, I went to a press conference where she spoke at and uh, you, she was talking about Central and South America and like how communism is, is destroying and we need freedom for Spanish speaking countries. And yet that I think it was that week or like that month she had voted against like uh, the, the voting rights legislation that has been out. So how are you going to support like freedom in other countries and you're voting down, you know, talking to like getting people to be able to vote? Um, for, and then, you know, there's like this narrative that the loudest voices kind of get to dictate the terms of like the conversation. So, you know, oh, all Cuban. And my dad is, was Cuban. He came on our ride from Cuba, like after the revolution and the whole thing, um, where they're basically, they have no domestic policy. Um, they don't, they don't talk about housing. They don't talk about healthcare. And then when you talk, when I spoke to a gentleman, like an older Cuban, uh, man who, who worked at the restaurant 
that they did the the press conference he also worked in another restaurant at the other place and this is in Hialeah so like the stereotype of like the reactionary Cuban but when I, when he asked me like why are you here it's like oh well we're talking about voting rights and I want to can I ask you a couple of questions uh, do you support making uh, voting day a national holiday so people don't have to pick between going to work and and voting he says yes do you support making voter registration automatic yes do you support having transparent uh, elections where we know who's giving money yes and that is everything that, you know, the Republicans will vote against. So like in broad strokes, you know, there's a lot of different elements and components to it. But generally speaking, I don't take it seriously at all. Like as a community organizer, like I understand that we need to go into the community. We have a winning message. And I think it resonates more with people when you're actually talking, especially in Miami with the housing crisis is a big thing. Uh, gun violence is a huge thing. Um, when you talk to people and like healthcare, you know, those are like kind of like the, the three main things. A lot of people talk about climate, which is, you know, central to all of these issues. But yeah. Well, there, I guess there is some uh, internal consistency on the part of Representative Salazar when she's asking for the U.S. government to do a coup in Colombia and also trying to fight voting rights here in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. In that sense, absolutely. Yeah. But for me, like being born and raised here, having heard this this line all the time, it's just like it's tired. It's old. It's boring, especially younger generations. We're so tired of, of listening to their, you know, frankly, just garbage. Um, no well, the cold, it doesn't sound like the Cold War rhetoric really plays into much effect. I mean, the, the, the members of Congress are still using it to like whip whip up the base when they use terms like Marxists and stuff. And I guess there is a new left coming to power in in uh, South America, in Latin America, that <clears throat> does have values that are rooted in sort of, uh, you know, socialist thought from the past, which might make these attacks more relevant than they were before. But that's good. We stand by that stuff, the, the fact that there's left wing governments coming to power. So let them whine about it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't especially here for our campaign, you know, we're, we're a small grassroots, small dollar campaign. We're never going to have the any any campaign that runs in Miami is never going to have the kind of resources and support from the institutions, uh, whether that be the Democratic Party or, or like the NGOs, like the non-government association, I mean, organizations. Uh, we're never going to have that. But what I what one of the things that the Democratic Party does here consistently is that I'm sorry if there's also background noise. I, there's like a trap. Can you hear it? No, we're good. We can hear you. I mean, we can hear it a little bit, but uh, we'll ju it just adds to the ambiance of you being in uh, South Florida right now. You can see my blurry palm trees. That's right. <laughs> uh, we we just need a speedboat to uh, to go by. Yeah, there's a lot. You were you were talking about like uh, leftists. Yes, um, my mom is Honduran, so you know I was following the the Honduran elections and like a series of other you know the Colombian election, but um, where we're seeing the trend in Latin America, where we've seen past the veneer of like capital and like their insistence again on like profit and you know using uh, populist messaging with like fascist undertones, you know, to to really mobilize people. But I think that especially with technology, it's it's just so much harder for people to, to keep the line, like, don't get me wrong, like, it's still a very, very potent force. But like with what you were saying, yeah, it's like pretty consistent being like talking about a coup. I mean, look at what happened with Juan Guaido. And oh, and that was the point that I was going to make. If you want bipartisanship in America it, with with the United States government, you just need to start a war. And we're seeing that. And the same goes for like communist rhetoric. It's just like, 
the Demo oh, and that was the point that I was going to say. Democrats here, they accept the, the Republican Party framework. They're like, we're not communists, whereas they don't actually have like if you look at, for example, in Florida, the, the, the you know, the, the state we Obama won Florida twice. Um, we recent in 2018, there was something Amendment Four, which is to reinstate the voting rights for re returning citizens, formerly incarcerated folks. That passed with over 60% of the vote. The right-wing legislature like attacked that. Typical going against the will of the people. Then you have in 2020 the $15 minimum wage, albeit, and a lot of people don't like to recognize this. It is a conservative $15 minimum wage. It started at $10 and it increases a year. We have to be honest about these things. But the fact that it passed with over 60% of the vote is telling you something. The, and then also on top of that, uh, Joe Biden lost the state of Florida, but $15 minimum wage was part like a pillar of the platform, allegedly, you know, that. But at the end of the day, he loses. Uh, South Florida, we lost um, my my district of Donna Shalala, Mercoso Powell, and um, you know it really speaks to the weakness of the Democratic Party because if you're able, like think about the fact that Joseph Biden was was able to successfully be portrayed as a communist. That is absurd on its face, and just goes to see like how reductive and infantile the conversation is right now. And so our postulation, our position as a campaign, is that we're going to take up a lane. That's separate from them. We have the uh, if we get the Democratic Party nomination, we will have that base. And I would love to see, like, I would love to see them if we get the nomination because of who we are as leftists, not support us in favor of Salazar. No reputation for the Democratic Party at face value. Like, I, I you know, it's it's absurd. So we we have the Democratic Party base that would vote in a general election. And then what we need to do as a campaign is speak to the tens of thousands more people who are NPAs, like non-party affiliates in Florida. It's more than Republicans. It's more than Democrats, not necessarily combined, but it's pretty up there. It's like tens of thousands for sure, more than the Democrats. And so you take that into consideration. Uh, one of the things that I want to work with is getting uh, folks who are eligible, eligible after Amendment 4 in 2018, formerly incarcerated folks uh, to be registered to vote who have paid their also Jim Crow, you know, fees. Um, that number is greater than the amount of people that voted for DeSantis over Andrew Gillum. When we talk about the Puerto Rican community, that, that also is being, you know, uh, affected by like the Biden administration policies. When you talk about the Haitian American communities and their and like the the immoral and wrong like policies that the Biden administration has, you know that like there are all these communities that we can really talk to and organize and and like do like deep organizing in a way that the Democratic Party just isn't doing that here. They're just throwing money at the problem, and we have uh, and we're seeing how that's just not working. The conservative uh, framework is just not working for the people, the Democrat. And then it, and then there is a lot of resentment in, as far as me personally with the Democratic Party, because your loss is not just your loss. It, it's the loss of the community. Then you do have like these ultra right wing reactionaries like Maria Vida Salazar, who are in positions of power and saying these very unhinged, irresponsible things just because, they, again, they know that it's not going to happen. And, you know, it's just, you know, the Marco Rubio's of the world, like Donald Trump himself was not anti uh, block. I mean, was um, trying to do business in Cuba, you know, so it's just like once Marco Rubio and the presidential primary got absorbed into the Trump uh, kind of like blob, um, 
you, you start to see this hardline reactionary rhetoric. So it just goes to show there's so many examples of how the Democratic Party isn't doing anything because they're able to successfully paint Joe Biden as a communist. And then the Republican Party is just completely unhinged. And like, I just take it for granted that they're not going to do anything meaningful to address like the issues that our communities are facing in Miami and in the district. Your primary opponent, um, as far as I know, it, it's it's a, he's a man named Ken Russell. He is a local elected down there. Is that right? He's a city of Miami commissioner. City of Miami. So that's like a city councilor in a lot of other cities. Okay. So he is raising a ton of money. I was actually pretty surprised when I checked his uh, FEC records. Is that somewhat intimidating, the amount of money that he has been raising? How do you, how do you approach that uh, in terms of, um, yeah, the financial advantage that he has? Right. Well, I'll start off by saying that none of, none of the things that I ever talk about are personal, but I will never you know, shy away from saying like what's what. No candidate that is trying to fight for something meaningful for our communities, any policy, is ever going to have the backing. We're always going to be called like the reincarnation of Fidel Castro, like the Antichrist kind of deal. Um, so in that regard, um, we're, we're kind of in that position. We're never going to be able to raise the amount of money that they, they will. Um, you know, the, the reality is that Ken Russell was running for a state Senate race and, um, that got him, uh, that garnered him like a, a larger audience and, and, you know, for whatever it's worth, whether or not he was originally planning to run for this race and decided to run for Senate and then dropped out and happened to grandfather in that support, or if it was intentional, I can't speak to that because I don't know. That's purely speculation on my part. We, what we really need to do um, in the primary is really hammer it home. Like, how are you going to be talking about one thing and then um, and promising that you're going to deliver on reform for voting rights, but then again, take this amount of money, which is the root of the problem. And so as a grassroots campaign, we're able to say, look, we don't take any corporate money and baseline. And we've been saying the entire time as a campaign, you, our community has no reason to trust anybody that takes money from corporations, period. Like, I don't care if you're a Democrat, I don't care if you're a Republican, we've been consistent. They like to paint it, especially Ken Russell's campaign likes to paint it as hashtag unity. And we, our campaign is like flat out, we reject that. There's no accountability, there's not gonna be any unity. Because look at what's happening in our communities. The Democratic Party has abysmally failed, the Florida Democratic Party especially, and the Miami-Dade Party. And I say this with love, I say that as a member of the board of the Progressive Caucus, I say that as a member of the Democratic Executive Committee who has dedicated a lot of my time as a working person, not like Ken Russell. I don't have the kind of resources personally or, you know, as a campaign. Um, so I say it with a lot of love. We have our bylaws. I've read them. We're not living up to our standards. This is another example of that. My, my hope is that we, we can organize in a way that they're not able to, and we have a message that is that they're not able to say. In fact, recently, I know that um, there was a, a mention about like from their camp how Salazar takes dark money. The irony of that is not lost on me. And the fact that there is a campaign like ours that is not expected from, I'm sure, any political calculations from anybody, but we're there, we're getting on the ballot, and you have to contend with our ideas. You don't get to be a fake progressive. You have to deal with the fact that there, there is somebody who was born and raised in Miami, who represents a large swath of the communities, being a Cuban Honduran, who was born in Miami Beach, raised here. I'm a working person. I'm a baker. I'm a farmer. I, I do Uber as a side hustle because it's impossible to live here. Like all of my friends are leaving the city. Um, we're expected to not have like 
basically Miami anymore within the next two years. So we, we really have to stress to people housing. Um, that, that is like a central thing. We, we have gentrification is rampant. And a lot of the times these people in the city and county commissions are responsible, uh, especially with the city of Miami mayor, but the entire commission, I would say, um, you, you have the fox guarding the hen house. And so, you know, we really need to hammer that home. And our position is go nuclear. It doesn't matter if it's the Democrats. It doesn't matter if it's the Republicans. And our hope is to really go into, like Martin Luther King said, they went to Birmingham, Alabama to organize there in the South. And different people have different feelings about whether the South is, uh, Florida is the South, especially the Miami, Florida. But he went and they went to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, because it was the stoutest fortress of reactionary segregation. Like he said, um, the racism in this country is like an affected wound that you have to cut open and squeeze it out and exposes to the natural, natural medicine of air and uh, the sun. And that's what we need to do as a campaign. There seems to be a constant struggle on the anti or tension among the anti-capitalist left between you know, pursuing electoralism and getting involved in politics and running for office versus trying to get into more community work and trying to like, you know, directly affect people who are facing evictions. And, you know, you brought up all these housing issues and where the Democratic Party is failing, which makes it necessary for these local groups to, to kind of fill in and help each other in these in these failures. As as someone who's been involved in both, you know, you talked about your your work within the Democratic Party down there and also your work as a community organizer. And as someone who's spent much of this podcast correctly identifying all the problems with the Democratic Party, uh, how, how do you how do you balance that tension between like, I mean, you're going to have to ask for money from donations from people. You're going to have to devote your time to running for office, to knocking on doors, to making phone calls. You know, how do you how do you make the decision that that is uh, an effort worth pursuing versus other avenues of change you could be pursuing? I love this conversation. I actually have I recently had it with one of my good friends who's also it's funny enough. He, well, he's an active member of the DSA. I'm a lapsed dues paying member. I need to really get on that. But um, we he, he's actually the, the you know, the president of the local progressive caucus. And we have this conversation a lot. I my lane is. This is my lane. Um, it's what I'm passionate about. I, I, and a lot of what my my position has been informed by this, uh, by my working community. The reality of the, the situation is the biggest issue that is affecting our communities, bar none, is the planetary crisis. In Miami, especially, we have the aquifers, which is where we get our the our fresh water. The salt water is being is displacing that fresh water because of sea level rise. We have the industrial agricultural runoff, the fertilizer, which is feeding the algae blooms, which is destroying our our like we have the acidification of the ocean, sea level rise. Uh, if you read the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the reports are saying that within the century, uh, it's expected that in Florida, two million people are going to leave within a century. And in the in Miami-Dade County, two million people are expected to leave within the within the um, century just because of sea level rise. Um, because and it, it's like if you make less than one hundred thousand dollars a year, which is the majority of people who live here. So um, my understanding of like the the scope and magnitude of the issues is what it's it, that's why i'm running for a congressional seat as well but those are not mutually exclusive things and and i think it's going to be a matter of like a proof of concept like th this is like a we have a proof of concept we have a we have a, 
an argument that we're making. And in practice, we're, we're going to show because down ballot races are important. You know, at the end of the day, you have to contend with elected officials, whether it's the school board, city or county commission, whether it's the state uh, house, Senate or like governor's mansion or the federal policies. Um, especially in a reactionary right wing, like ultra right wing, we're talking about uh, Governor DeSantis, who's not running for governor, he's running for president right now. Um, and we have to be real about this. Like, I don't think that the amount of harm that's being done and the amount of change that needs to happen is going to happen right now with the way that things are going. I respect and I'm involved with a lot of like, you know, the Miami Workers Center and a lot of these other groups that have been really active with getting a, a tenant bill of rights that was amended significantly, but it was an incredible win. The fact that if they wouldn't have been organizing around that, that wouldn't have happened. The fact that they had a uh, something with like, if your, if your rent was increased by more than like a, a certain percentage, I can't remember the number right now, they wouldn't need to give you a 60 day notice for evictions. That's only happening because of organizing. But again, they're not mutually exclusive. I go to these meetings. And if anything, what we're gonna be able to do in the future as, this, uh, as the congressperson for the 37th congressional district, we would be de facto essentially the leader of Miami-Dade County, because the highest position after that is the Senate, which we have Rick Scott and Marco Rubio. I, I hear it and I get it. I've had this conversation a million times, but in my heart of hearts, I really do believe that, like we, like I said, we need to contend with these elected officials in any case. And so, you know, it's one thing to pontificate in our circles, you know, calling out a lot of my 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 good friends. Uh, but when you actually step into the arena, when you stick your neck out and you're realizing like, OK, do you believe in defunding the police? Talk about it. Say that honestly. Move the conversation or win an election if, if you think that it will resonate, if you'll do the work, if you have the capacity. But like I said, this is a long haul thing. And we will not as the uh, as the elected official um, for this for this district, I guarantee you we will not support any candidate who takes money from corporations. So imagine all of a sudden we're able to put the weight of a congressional seat in a way that's never been done in the Democratic Party because again, the Democrats unfortunately have the, the like what we have to understand about like US Congress people, United States con uh, congressional representatives are some of the most powerful people in the history of humankind in human history. So to just shrug your shoulders and say like, we can't any do, no, we have the bully pulpit. We have an insane amount of resources compared to a lot of things. And frankly, like a lot of these, the, the, the resources that organizations have, even if they're well-funded, it's putting a bandage on a broken limb. We, I, I think we really need to get serious with all due respect, with all the love in my heart for, for like community orgs and people who are doing this kind of work for the scope and magnitude of the issues. You know, it's not going to help us to have rent control if we have sea level rise up to like our knees and waters and we have flooding, you know, so that that's kind of my position. And I understand where people are coming from. So I'm going to do my best to be the best vehicle for our message and um, and not be apologetic about our positions, you know, use this as an opportunity for ex to expose people. But we also need to win. You know, this isn't just a messaging campaign We're 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 trying to win so that we can do all of these things down the line. We can help down ballot progressives who imagine, you know, a lot of these races too is because of lack of voter participation are won by a couple thousand, a couple hundred votes for these city and county commissions, especially the county. They have so much power. The main source of income, I think, for the city of Miami is parking tickets. And you know that where money's going to? To the friends and family of a lot of these corrupt uh, elected officials. So I believe that once we get into these positions, like there's a great uh, guy I shot Shout out, shout out to him. You should maybe reach out to him. Richie Floyd. He's a DSA member who won and he's on a commission. I can't remember what what it, what uh, position it is, but he won on a, on a very progressive message or populist left message. Um, and so it's like the writing is on the walls. 
I think a lot of people are very concerned and I understand the disdain for the electoral process. But I, at the end of the day, look, you we have to in my mind. And so once we I believe that once we get into these positions, we're able to actually materially uh, better people's quality of life. You know, that's going to that's what's going to be able to make it so that we have uh, loyalty down the line. If we're able to get these wins and people were able to say, look, we did that and you'll never get that with a Republican and you'll never get, especially not, not with a Republican, but you'll never get that with a Democrat, like an establishment Democrat. That's what's going to be able to change the city of Miami drastically. And wherever the city of Miami goes, the state of Florida goes. Again, think about the fact that it's Central and South America's gate. The Think about the fact that the presidential election runs through here. It's not a coincidence that the first Democratic primary in 2020 was here in Miami, Florida. Um, when you think about the fact that, um, you know, we are, I think it's like the third largest state in the country. Again, it's a swing state. If we're able to say a progressive can win here, it'll be transformative across the board. I really do believe that. And that's my message to progressives. If you're hearing this, please support us. Even if it's just sharing us on social media, if you can make a small dollar contribution, please do so. Our our Instagram and social media is Montalvo Florida 27. Just got to put that shout out there. Well, we appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with us here today. And um, any any final things that you want? I know you plugged your um, various fundraising uh, channels. If if you want to plug uh, social media and um, how people can get involved with your campaign, et cetera. A hundred percent. Well, I, I want to first say I want to acknowledge the fact that, and I, I should have said in the beginning, like we are on settled land. I want to talk about the legacy and history of like slavery and genocide in this country because that's the reality of what we're going and that's where we're grounding our work. Sure. Um, so like I said, my name is Angel Montalvo. I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. I'm running this campaign out of the love for our city and our and our state and our country. You know what I mean? Um, uh, and so like I right now what we need to do is we need support with regards to um, – you know, fundraising, if you could do five, 10, $15 uh, contributions, that makes a big deal. We're completely funded by small uh, grassroots camp uh, donations uh, and powered by our volunteers. And what we really need help with is making sure that we get that message out there. And a big part of that, unfortunately, is raising a lot of money. So that like our social media is uh, M-O-N-T-A-L-V-O-F-L, like Florida, Montalvo, Florida, 27. That's on Instagram and, tw and Twitter. And then just go to our website, MontalvoForCongress.com, and you can make a donation through that. And if you DM on Instagram or, or Twitter, that's me directly. So you'll, you'll have a handle on me, and I'm, I'm happy to talk to people. I want to be like a people's candidate so that, you know, we can actually have these dialogues. Like, I've talked to reactionary right-wingers who get upset because I use the hashtag Patrevida. Um, so, yeah, much love to everybody here. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Shout out to David for helping us set this up. And, you know, all, all the love to, to people, power, all power to the people. And, uh, like, please help us out. <laughs> <laughs> well, Angel, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us. It was a very enlightening conversation. And uh, we wish you all the best. And we're going to keep uh, keep our eyes open on, on the 27th District of Florida. Primary is August 23rd. Is that right? Correct. Correct. And I'm looking forward to having a follow-up email after we win that primary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs>